0: Father, as we come before you this morning, we recognize in our brokenness that we have made a mess of our own lives without you, that left to our own devices, the only end we can arrive at is that of brokenness, despair, emptiness, and even loneliness. But Jesus, you have called us friend. And your scripture has said that greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And the scripture we sang this morning told us that God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. So God, our father, you have loved us so. And Jesus, the son, you have loved us so. You have loved us enough To lay down your life for us, those who you call your friends, who you now call as siblings, fellow sons and daughters of the Holy Father. And Jesus, we praise you for that. Spirit, we thank you for joining us this morning in your presence as we walked in here as new creations in Christ. Spirit, you walked in with us empowering us and filling us. And Spirit, we now pray that you move in us to stir up our affections for this friend Jesus to an even greater degree. As Father, we recognize our brokenness. May we also recognize our savedness, our belovedness, and the extent to which you have made us a new creation. Holy, blameless, and dearly loved by a perfect Father. Father, only you know the the emptiness and the brokenness that came into this room this morning with each attendee. None of us can imagine what each of the humans created in your image brought into this place this morning. But God, you know. You know of the pain. You know of the disappointment, of the sorrow. And Father, we ask that now you draw near. Because we know that you are near to the brokenhearted. You uplift those who are suffering. And may that be, may that be your work and your ministry this morning to us. But Father, may we also minister to each other and minister to the world because we as new creations have been given a holy ministry as ambassadors of your eternal kingdom. And may we be kingdom-minded first, not self-minded, not pleasure-minded, not arrogant and boastful, but may we be first and foremost those who set our hearts and our minds on you. Because, Jesus, we look outside these four walls and we see a world that is hurting. And as you comfort those that are inside, Father, may you stir us up to be of comfort to those outside. Because in order for those outside to receive the comfort that your Spirit brings, someone must go. And you're calling us right now. So, God, I pray now as you come near to the brokenhearted, as you heal those that are suffering in this room, I pray now you take each of us in our hearts and minds, take our focus off of ourselves now, off of our suffering, and put our hearts and minds now onto the suffering of someone else that we know. Someone not in Christian community this morning. Someone not gathering in the worship of a local church this morning. And Father, now move us in the love you have given us to follow your commandment to love. Because there's brokenness all around us, in our families, in our communities, and you have called us to be the ones to bring you in to bring the solution. Because we're not the solution, Father. But show us how we can deliver the solution to the great brokenness and pain around us. Stir us up towards love and good deeds, oh Father. And Spirit, guide us. Illumine your word to us. Fill us with your presence and stir us up to go out to love and to do good deeds. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, thank you for joining us and gathering to worship this morning. It's a pleasure to be in the community of the saints in the presence of the Lord. Let's have the kids be dismissed to their time of worship upstairs. That's uh, up until fifth grade. You guys can go to your kids' worship time, and parents, you can pick them up um, at the end of the service. Um, younger kids upstairs this building, older kids upstairs in the back building. Um, a few things going on in the life of the church to make you aware of. Um. You, I hope, know that for a couple of months now, we've really encouraged you towards this church app. It's called on your app store, um, uh, Church Center. And if you get Church Center app, you can connect with any number of local churches. I suggest you connect with Fellowship Bible Church. You'll see the name and logo there. It will come up in your location services. Um, But in that, you'll see a number of registrations for upcoming events. Uh, One is our women's ice cream event that is uh, this week, Tuesday night, uh, the 11th. There is a physical sign-up sheet um, on the back table there. Please sign up on the physical sign-up sheet or on the Church Center app. If you really want to make sure that you're fully signed up, you can do both, but you need to do one or the other. Um, It's a great fellowship event. Um, The Agenda is community, is building relationships, and I hope by the end of the message today, you recognize that as something that is important for all of us. Uh, similarly, men's, we have, uh, we have an event for men um, this Saturday, our men's breakfast. It'll be in the room right behind me here. Um, you can sign up for that through the Church Center app as well. Um, we would welcome you there. It's a wonderful event to just gather as men here of devotional and be stirred up Um, towards following Christ together. Another important event, we have a pickleball event on the 30th, also on the church app, also fellowship um, oriented as a way to build connections. We've had an influx of new people into the church. We need to get everybody connected to each other. We need to build relationships and build friendships together and pickleball is another way to do that, to be active together, to have fun together. And uh, fourth on the list is we have a new women's ministry initiative called QUADS, and there's an information sheet on the back table about that. There's information on the Church Center app about that as well. That will be coming this fall, in which women of different um, ages are going to be joining together in groups of four for fellowship, community, and for spiritual growth and encouragement. And so you can sign up for that either through the paper form in the back of the room or through the Church Center app. And you'll be continuing to hear more about that throughout this month as we try to find new ways to get you connected to each other. Um, And lastly, I'll say on the connectivity point, um, Sunday school this morning was was amazing. It was a, a great opportunity for people to come together to get some extra biblical training, to have extra prayer time, to join in community and build greater relationships together. I would highly encourage you, if you haven't been yet, come at 9.15 on a Sunday morning to one of our Sunday school classes, either the Young Families class, the Elder Led Prayer Time, or one of the um, adult life groups that we have. Um, We would love for any of you to come. The youth and kids also have classes that time as well. Uh, Now I want to give you an update from our Romania team. Um, I've got a couple pictures to show you. Um, we told you that a few um, last week, actually the week just before last Sunday, um, we sent off a team of eleven to Romania. This is a few of them. There's about five of them in this picture that are worshiping in a church in Ukraine this morning. This is from this very morning. Um, they split into two different churches in Ukraine this morning. Last Sunday, they were worshiping with three different churches in Romania. So last Sunday, Jason preached at one church, Tom shared at another church, and Rich and Hope Hambrock both shared at a third church. Um, Then the next picture, this is the youth camp that they were a part of uh, this week, um, with 48 Romanian students, plus our team leading them. They're representatives of, I think, six different Romanian churches that were there um, in that camp that you see there, where they focused on teaching how to live with a Christian worldview. Now today, probably right now, um, they are gathered at a um, Baptist school in Ukraine where there is a youth rally with youth from six or seven different Ukrainian churches that have come together. Um, many of you know that since the, the war started with the Russian invasion of Ukraine, we have sent um, some support over through our, um, through our budget and through our missions budget, we have been supporting the ongoing relief efforts for displaced people in Ukraine. Much of this has gone through this kind of refugee center in western Ukraine that is where a Baptist school used to be. The school is now shut down because of all the refugees coming in, all the displaced people. And uh, as we've been working with our Romanian partners to funnel support into Ukraine, um, they have seen now, the the latest report I got is seven different churches that have been planted in the last few months in this area. Some behind the battle lines, and some, uh, some in areas of relative safety. And so what's happening is you have millions of people displaced within their home country that are, have left their church homes, left their families, left, left their physical homes, and are gathering in new communities, and new work of God's kingdom is happening in those areas. And so what we do in sending a portion of our monies over into um, Romania to support Ukraine has resulted in not just physical supplies being sent, as our team did deliver physical supplies as they went across the border um, early this morning, but also the spiritual provision of aiding in the planting of seven churches over the last few months. So praise God for what he is doing there. Three of our team are on their way home. Joanna Ravenholt, John Michael Genwright, and Jason Hunley will arrive in Atlanta this afternoon. We had some that didn't participate in the Ukraine um, part of the trip that came home early. And so uh, those three are almost home now. The others will be returning Wednesday of this week. So continue to pray for them in their ministry in Ukraine right now and uh, in their safe journey home later this week. Uh, Turn with me now to the book of Proverbs. Um, As you came in, I hope you were offered a a sheet that says Proverbs and Friendship and has a whole lot of verses and points on it. If you weren't, if you didn't get that, there's some on the back table in this room. Um, I did that because we got a lot of ground to cover this morning. Because when we started the journey of Proverbs, I knew that we would eventually get into this place where we were going through these topics of the book of Proverbs that the first nine chapters is great to just handle sequentially, but then you see that Proverbs is broken up into all these little topics that are organized not in a way that makes much sense, but in a way that made sense to the author, in a way that the Spirit of God uses. And so what we've done here today is we've compiled a whole bunch of verses about friendship. And it wasn't accidental that this morning I opened our service with the words... This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. So Jesus has called us his friend. Jesus has called us um, to be not just servants of God, but friends of God. But the book of Proverbs, written many generations before Jesus came and walked the earth, it has this theme of friendship woven into it. And it's amazing when you think about these different things. Think about what are the most important areas of life by which we need wisdom to live and survive. You may not get the list that the Proverbs provides. If you think about what areas of life do I most need wisdom? Work, Well, we, we just talked about work, that's a, that's a good one. Family life, yeah, Proverbs has that. Um, relationships, yeah, that, that's there. Friendship is this week. Money, that's there. All of those things that are important areas of wisdom are covered in Proverbs. But friendship is one that probably is going to be lower on our totem pole of really important things to talk about. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's something that is, uh, is ultra important to you. But I think for most of us that want to grow and be successful people, we want to talk about like leadership and influence. We want to talk about intelligence and skill and, and giftedness and all those sort of things that help us make a difference. Friends, we don't, we don't need friends. That's that. That's what kids, kids need, friends. Kids need friends for healthy socialization and everything. But our society t- teaches us that, that once you get to adulthood, you should be self-sufficient. You should be able to just make your own way, chart your own path, be successful on your own. You should have the resources within yourself to do what you need to do to have a successful life. Obviously, we know from the word of God that that's not true, that Jesus is our ultimate resource for for life, for making a difference in this world, for success. But beyond that, God values friendship. I was logging into something this week. It was something in in the financial area where we were having to reset a password for something. And you know, anytime you log into something online, you have all these different requirements for password, um, what the password has to be, uppercase letters, lowercase letters, numbers, all that sort of stuff. But then once you get a password set too, it needs to ask you a security question. And you click this drop down list of security questions and there's all sorts of things. Your, your mother's maiden name, the color of the first car you drove, your first pet, all, its name, all of those different things and this week, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I was looking at something, and the question it asked me is, what was the first and last name of your childhood best friend? And I got to be honest, that question kind of stumped me, because in every phase of my life, and I, I think this is true for a lot of people, maybe you've had that lifelong best friend that was yours throughout childhood, but, and then maybe continued into adulthood, but for me, I thought, who is my childhood best friend? Was it the, the kid, John Michael, that was in my kindergarten class that I used to hang out with? I don't even know why I remembered his name, but I just thought of it. I'm pretty sure I haven't seen him since kindergarten because we both went to different schools after that. But he was an important friend for one important stage. John, who was my buddy at church when I was, when I was a kid. Joseph, another church buddy. Grant, who lived down the street and had the coolest Ninja Turtles on the street. Jonah... Jonah had the magnolia tree with the, big, with the big swing. Jonah also had the best Legos of any of my friends. And so it's like, who was my best friend? Well, I mean, when I wanted to play with Ninja Turtles, it was Grant. When I wanted to play with Legos, it was Jonah. When I wanted to play outside, it was still Jonah. But when I was at church, it was Joseph or John. And so I couldn't think of who my childhood best friend was because I just remember having a number of friends and connecting in different circumstances with, with who was there, and just playing and and hanging out and enjoying childhood. But childhood friends teach us something about life, about what it takes to survive, flourish, and thrive in the human life that God has given us. Because if we go through a season of life in which you realize, I don't have any friends, or I've lost some of my friends, then you start to recognize friendship really matters. And there's something beautiful about adulthood. Um, There's something that I believe is a part of God's design, that God has designed men and women to come together in this unique friendship relationship called marriage that goes beyond friendship, in which I think husband and wife really should be deep, intimate friends. But beyond that, we're going to go beyond that this Sunday morning, to think not just about the friendship that marriage can provide, but all of the other important friendships that we have in our lives. If you are married, pursue friendship within your marriage. Pursue a best friend-like relationship with your spouse. But if you don't have that, and if you want to supplement that with greater, deeper friendships, then this is what the Scriptures say to you. I gave you that extra sheet, Because there's so much wisdom here, there's so much scripture here, that I hope you take it home, and I hope you remember. We'll go through this Sunday morning what Proverbs says on friendship with three basic points. First, what is a friend? And then, why do friends matter? And third, how do we make friends? Again, it kinda feels like this is something you should talk about in second or third grade, right? And here we are, a room full of adults, and we're diving in this sacred book that God gives us, and it tells us these things matter. So the what, why, and the how of friendship. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Proverbs 17:17. 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And Proverbs 18:24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Those three simple proverbs give us that first point that helps us define what a friend is. A friend is somebody that doesn't just proclaim his own steadfast love, but somebody who is a faithful, faithful friend. Now, I have young kids and what you realize with young kids kind of relates to what I was talking about earlier. You think you have these really strong, important relationships, but then every step of your, of your aging and growth, those relationships change over time. Circumstances change, interests change, and your friendships change. And so when you're a little kid, you have these things called BFFs. And you call, when you're a little girl in particular, just telling you, you call all sorts of people your BFF. Karis has like 12 BFFs. And some of them are contextual, some of them are here, some of them are at school, some of them are at cheer, all these different things that she does. She has her BFFs. And BFF, of course, if you don't know, means best friend forever. But the reality is, what, what I know, and what I can't tell Karis because it will crush her, is that those friends will not be her best friends forever. And she had that very difficult lesson a year ago when her BFF for two years of school, all of a sudden moved. Dad got a different job, and she moved out of state. And now that, that F falls off of the BFF. They don't see each other anymore. They don't, they don't talk anymore. And so you can say lots of things about your friendship, but a friend is not just somebody who says they're there for you, who says they're your BFF. Who says they're going to be there when you need them. Who says they love you and will help you and will serve you. What Proverbs tells us in 26, the first verse we're looking at, is that it is easy, easy to proclaim steadfast love. It's difficult to prove it. It's easy to find somebody who would tell you, I'm going to be your friend. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be there for you. But a faithful person, a faithful friend, that's hard to find. Secondly, 17.17 tells us a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. What that tells us is our second point, that a friend chooses to love. What's the difference between a friend and a brother in this passage? A brother is born for adversity. Y'all, that doesn't mean brothers cause adversity. I mean, they do, but that's not actually what that passage is saying. That passage is saying that the brother is there four times of adversity, your brother's gonna show up. There's a difference between friends and family. Family bonds are strong. Family bonds matter. Family bonds are important. And when you face adversity, when you face trials and difficulty, your family will be there. But your family doesn't choose to be there. They just are there. Your family doesn't even have to like you. Your family's just there. God gave you that family. God made them be in your family. And now family is just there but your friends your friend loves it all the time. your brother he's going to go back and forth sometimes he's going to cause adversity and sometimes he's going to support you in adversity have a brother lived it i know what that looks like sometimes the brother's the greatest rival and sometimes the brother's the greatest support that's what family does to you but the your brother doesn't have to like you your brother is just in your family your friends That's a choice. Somebody chooses to be your friend. Somebody loves you at all times. That's the uniqueness of friendship. And this is the thing. The Bible says a lot about family, and this sermon is not about family. We've had those sermons before. We'll have those sermons again. But the reason we're emphasizing friendship is that it's really easy to forget about the importance of friendship. Some cultures, Some cultures emphasize different types of relationships. Every culture emphasizes some type of relationship. Our modern culture is a little bit romantic, maybe even erotic, sex-obsessed. So what relationships do the songs, movies, stories of our time emphasize? The romantic relationships, the sexual relationships. That's what our society loves to hear about and talk about and obsess over. Those are the relationships we focus on. Other cultures focus on the family as the building block of society. That's a really good thing. Family is an important building block of society. So other cultures emphasize the family as the most important avenue of relationship. Other cultures emphasize kind of civic relationships That what matters is this civic bond, this this fabric that ties society together, the social fabric, that's what gets emphasized in other communities, shared tribes, shared culture, those sort of things. Very rarely do you find a culture that is built on this sort of friendship, but it is something that we must focus on. Because Proverbs, the overall message of Proverbs, is that fools perish for a lack of friends or poorly chosen friends. That's, what, that's kind of the message of Proverbs as it relates to, to friendship, is that if you don't have friends, or if you choose your friends poorly, you're ultimately going to end up where they end up, in folly, in foolishness. So your community shapes you. Your family shapes you. That's why we should emphasize family. But today, we're looking beyond the family, your friendships, those you choose to associate with those shape you as well. Look at Proverbs 18:24. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A friend is uniquely close. A friend is not a companion. Two different words, two different things. You can have a lot of companions, and the companions may just fall short at times. You can have a lot of companions. You can know a lot of people. You can be really popular, really well-liked, really well-respected, and in your time of need, those companions, they're not gonna show up at your doorstep to cry with you, to bring you a meal, to help put your life back together. Those companions may still continue to think highly of you, hold you in esteem, think, boy, you're a great guy. He's great, he's funny, I love him. But there's a difference between a friend and a companion, and that's one of our one of our application points for today. Do I have friends or do I have companions? Do I have companions that I enjoy being around and enjoy being around me, but ultimately we never get below the surface level. There's no depth there. There's no spiritual encouragement. There's no real life walking through the difficulties of life. It's easier to have companions than friends. Friends are uniquely close. They come together over a shared interest, over a shared bond. C.S. Lewis, in his in um, it's a really well-written, and I would commend it to any of you. In his book, The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis has an essay on friendship. And in it, what Lewis says is that the most common way to start a friendship is not, hey, will you be my friend? Sure, I'll be your friend. I need a friend too. But the most common sentence that starts is that starts a friendship is what? You two? I thought I was the only one. Meaning what bonds friendship together is a shared way of life, a shared way of thinking, a shared interest, a shared passion. So if you want good friends, ask yourself where your passion is. Because if your passion isn't in something worthwhile, then the friends that you share that passion with, they ain't going to be very worthwhile either. That's just the way it works. But if your passion is to pursue Christ, to live in God's kingdom first, then you're gonna find people that share that passion with you. You're gonna find other believers that walk with you, that will suffer with you, that will encourage you when you suffer, and that will need you and lean on you when they suffer. So that's what what a friend is. But why do friends matter? Proverbs 27 17. Iron sharpens iron, one man sharpens another. I think we all know that verse. That one's pretty well known, and it, it kind of makes sense, right? And let me just say, this is again one of those times where let, let's look at this verse and let's realize that, that it can be, <clears throat> excuse me, it can be applied to both men and women in relationships and in friendships. Iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens iron another. Proverbs 27.6 Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs 18.24 A man of many companions may come to ruin again, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Just so you know, Proverbs 18.24 it gets into all of these categories. What, why, and how. But first from 27.17 A friend sharpens you. That's why a friend matters. This is... Um, the words of Ray Ortland, another pastor, and he said it so well, I'm just going to read it. By ourselves, we become dull and blunted, and we lose our edge. Every one of us needs a friend who will not flatter us, but refine us. These proverbs are not meant to unleash reckless mouthing off and self-appointed critics who think you really need their opinions on everything. These proverbs are about a true friend in your life who is making you better by respectful confrontation. The Bible says, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, Hebrews 10, 24. A real friend will provoke you and challenge you. This is what I love. You will not agree with everything your friend says, but you will want to listen. See, if you're going to be sharpened, into a more mature version of yourself, into a, a more useful version of yourself for God's kingdom, into a, a, a greater version of yourself, there's going to be some discomfort that comes as the roughness is, is beaten away by a friend that sharpens you through encouragement and sometimes through admonition, a friend who says some things that at first you kind of bow up against and you want to defend yourself, But then you recognize later, like, no, this person does love me, and this person does see me, and that challenge is worthwhile. Biologically, you don't need a friend. Biologically, you need a family to exist. You need to have biological parents, and then you exist. But in order to thrive, in order to grow, in order to mature and be sharpened, you need a friend, or you'll be dull, and you'll be unuseful. That's, that's the alternative here. You don't want to be a tool that's useless. You want to be useful, and you need a friend to sharpen you to gain that use. six. faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. What's the difference between the wounds of a friend and the kisses of an enemy? Well, at first, the kisses of the enemy seem a lot better. The enemy is so kind to you. They're flattering you. They're uplifting you. But an enemy is someone who tells you what you want to hear and doesn't challenge you. A friend is someone who at times loves you enough to wound you, loves you enough to challenge you loves you enough to tell you you're wrong on this one. There is a difference between hurting someone and harming someone. There is a difference between being loved and feeling loved. Sometimes when you're being loved by a friend, you don't feel very loved. Sometimes when you're hurt by a friend, you feel like they're harming you, but they're actually helping you. You can hurt somebody and help them. But that's the love of a friend, not the love of a critic. Let's be clear. We have lots of critics out there that want to wound with their words, that want to correct everybody. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the friend who reluctantly, out of love, causes temporary pain for the point of overall growth. Let's say you have a friend that you recognize. They've gotten off-center in their focus, in their trajectory. They've gotten distracted. Maybe you've seen a friend that you log into social media and you're like, oh my goodness. Since the last time I was on social media, this friend, they posted like six different things. I can't even keep up. If I followed just that one person, I couldn't see everything that they post. What's the right thing to do as a friend? Say something. Say, where's your focus in life? Is there a little bit too much Social media use, are you living too much through this lighted screen? Maybe it's not just the frequency of social media posts, maybe it's the nature of them. Maybe it's, hey, you're really seeking to promote yourself, you're really seeking to focus on yourself, maybe there's, there's something going wrong here, I, I don't like this trend, or maybe you're really seeking to be combative in your words, your tone isn't who I know you to be, your tone in person, your tone online, totally different things. What's the right thing for a friend to do? To say something. To encourage and admonish. Maybe you see a friend that, in their outward actions, maybe you see a friend, maybe you have a work associate that you consider a friend. And you start to notice that there's a coworker of the opposite sex with whom that person is establishing maybe too close of a work relationship. Maybe there's a little too much joking. Maybe there's a little too much conversation. What does a friend do? Look the other way, say, it's not my problem? No. The friend steps in and says, I I see a problem here. Maybe there's a friend who you've gone to church with for years, who you grew with, challenged you in in your relationship with Christ, maybe even mentored you. And now that person, you see them, They're following other things. They're not pursuing Christ. They're at church occasionally. They're focused on everything else in their life, the pursuit of of power and success in the workplace or the pursuit of pleasure. Maybe the right thing for a friend to do is to say the hard thing, to challenge. A friend sharpens you. A friend challenges you. Both of those are uncomfortable. And a friend is with you. Again, companions... They're there, they're behind you, beside you, when things are good. But a friend is uniquely with you when times are hard. A friend is the person that shows up when you're lonely, when you're in need, when you're suffering, when you've lost a loved one, when you've lost a job, when you don't know how to pay the next bill. The friend is the one that's there. Proverbs is interesting in its approach to friendship too. And this is a little bit of an aside because our goal today is to build good friendships. But the author of Proverbs, Solomon, in most of these, gives us some things not to do as well. So we're gonna take a break from how to build good friendships, and we're gonna talk about bad friendships, bad relationships for a second. Here's what Proverbs says in five points on how not to make friends. Proverbs twenty-five twenty. This one stings. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. Man, I love to walk into the church office and sing. I love to just encourage my staff in, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. You know, everybody needs that Monday morning when they come into work. That's my philosophy. And then I look at this and I understand. Maybe that's why people roll their eyes at me all the time. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day. It's cold outside, snowing outside, icy. You take off your coat, it stings, right? And then you tense up, and you want to you get close. That's what it feels like when you are in sorrow and somebody comes in with this joyful song. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Like, just shut up. <laughs> it's the Bible. Proverbs 26, 18 through 19. Like a madman who throws firebrands, arrows, and death is the man who deceives his neighbor and says, I am only joking. That hurts a little bit too. A madman? I mean, it's just a joke. But man, Solomon is being real here. He is serious. Like a madman who throws fire at somebody is someone who plays a practical joke and says, I am joking. Listen, y'all, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to laugh but there's a time to not do it or you ruin relationships. The third one, Proverbs 27, 14. Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. See, that's me again. There's a certain security uh, member of our church that I came into one time. Hey, good morning. And he looked at me and he's like, why do you have to say that so loud? And I was like, I don't know. I just, it's my voice. I just have a loud one. God gave it to me. I have a problem in the morning sometimes. Number four, Proverbs 29, 5. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Here's here's what this is. What's the picture? You flatter your neighbor, you're setting a trap for yourself. You're just going to fall into it. You tell your neighbor how great he is, what happens if he's not great? You don't have any basis to challenge him now because all you've done is tell him how great he is when he's not really that great. And also, you tell, sometimes you, you're, you're making an exchange. You flatter somebody else because you're hoping they'll flatter you. When that person looks at you and says, you know what, you're right, I am great and you're not. And let me tell you why I'm better than you. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. It's a trap. That goes back to the verse we looked at before. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You don't want flattery because the flattery comes from an enemy. The friend tells you the truth. Number five, Proverbs 25, 17. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Do not overstay your welcome. It's in the Bible. I think it was Ben Franklin that I was reading that he said, "Uh, friends or house guests are like fish and they stink after three days. Ben Franklin. So here's our five points on how not to be a friend from these five verses. Singing at the wrong time. Joking at the wrong time. Yelling at the wrong time. Flattering at the wrong time. Showing up at the wrong time. All of those will ruin relationships, okay? So this is where wisdom comes in. You think about how your actions affect other people. You think about how your loud voice, how you're singing, how your presence might get old. And so being a friend is about being aware of those things. Now how? That's how, not, how? that's how we don't make friends, singing, joking, yelling, flattering, showing up. All those things are good at the right time. But all those things at the wrong time can really destroy relationships. People get sick of you. I know. I've lived that. Now, how do we make friends? Proverbs 18:24. We show up, we speak up, we shut up sometimes, and we serve. Proverbs 18:24 again, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 24:26, whoever gives an honest answer kisses the lips. Show up. A friend loves with presence. A friend loves at all times. That means a friend loves at all kinds of times. The good times, the bad times, the ordinary times, the boring times. A friend loves no matter what you're going through. Not contingent on you serving them, but contingent on their love for you. So the first thing you do to make a friend is you show up and you love somebody with your presence, Proverbs 18, 24. But you also speak up, Proverbs 24, 26, whoever gives an answer, an honest answer, kisses the lips. An honest answer, Proverbs twenty eight twenty three. whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Sometimes there is a need to rebuke. Sometimes there is a need for an honest answer. And flattery isn't going to get you anywhere. So a friend, a true friend, doesn't just show up with their presence, but speaks up with your words. And you love somebody with your words, with your tongue, because covering up the truth is what an enemy does, not what a friend does. A friend reveals the truth. And sometimes it's the truth about you and a sin that is entangle you, entangling you that you don't even see clearly. But the friend can expose it. I love them too much to tell them the truth. That's what an enemy says. I love them too much to tell them the truth means I love myself too much to be uncomfortable in a conversation. I love my comfort too much to tell them something hard. Love tells the truth. Exposes wrong. To be a friend is living in a constant tension of caring for that person not wanting to hurt that person, but also wanting to help that person by pushing them towards the truth. So it's this battle between care and candor. I wanna be candid with you, I wanna tell you the truth, but I also wanna care for you. I wanna not pick on you and beat up on you with the, with the hard things. Because here's the thing, we all know we're sinners, and sometimes we need that sin to be pointed out, and sometimes we need that sin to be forgiven. And in relationships, in family relationships, in friendships, we need a little bit of both. We need somebody that says that was across the line. And then you need that same person to say, but I forgive you for that. You show up, you speak up. 11:12. Whoever belittles his neighbor lacks sense, but a man of understanding remains silent. Proverbs 17:9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Sometimes you don't just show up, you don't just speak up. Sometimes in some areas you shut up. And that's important to relationships. Sometimes there's nothing left to say. The sin has been exposed. Sometimes your friend knows the truth and just needs to be loved. And needs to be forgiven, needs to be cared for. Sometimes the friend just needs somebody to listen. And so you shut your mouth, you stop giving advice, you stop being the expert on everything in life, and you let that person Share their pain, and that's what a friend does. S- sometimes, let's let's make it a little bit more comfortable for the guys in the room. Sometimes it's face to face, okay? Sometimes it's not, and that's okay. Guys, you can share pain with each other, shoulder to shoulder, not face to face. You don't have to sit down and get coffee with your buddy and tell him all everything that's wrong with your life and cry together. I that you don't have to do that. You might do that sometimes, but maybe you just go play around to golf together. And you talk. And you're, you're not looking each other in the eye. You're shoulder to shoulder. You're out, in, out in, the, in creation. Maybe you talk that way. See, women tend to, this is not universal, but women tend to build relationships face to face and men tend to build relationships shoulder to shoulder. It's important to realize as we talk about the importance of friendship, we build relationships different. We're just different. Sometimes a friend just needs you to show up And show you'll be there without saying anything. The best part of the book of Job. The best thing. The the wisest actions done by a human in the book of Job. Are when Job's friends show up and sit with him in his pain. And say nothing. And every time a human being speaks in the book of Job. It's wrong. Like almost everything they say. At the end. When God speaks, you're like, oh, some of those things that the people said I thought were smart, but they weren't. God says, no, you guys just don't get anything. The best thing that the, that the friends of Job did was sit with him in silence. So you show up, you speak up, but you also know when it's time to just shut up. And not repeat an offense over and over and over and over. But rather seek for Not just separation of close friends, but the unity of close friends by forgiving and covering over an offense. And lastly, how do we make friends? We serve. Proverbs 27, verse 5 and following. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. We've covered that. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but to one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. A friend is someone who has such a relationship, such an impact in one's life that the impact is sweetness. Think about the friends that have walked you through the challenges that you face in life probably every one of us, maybe you've had a good life and everything's been easy, you can just show off your ears right now. But if you've ever faced anything hard, then you can look back and you can remember, even through the pain, even through the crisis, even through the the doubt and questions, you probably have someone that loved you well, that said the right thing, and you remember with sweetness what was said. And how God used that. I remember, guys, I I won't plan on sharing it, but I I think, I don't know if I've ever shared this before. I've got a pastor friend, he's a pastor in another city. And um, almost 12 years ago, many of you know, we lost two twin boys. And when those two twin boys, when we lost them, 23 weeks old, early delivery, one was... um, passed at immediately at birth and one passed three days later. And I will never forget the fellow youth pastor in town who's now a pastor in another city that took me to lunch at Las Palmas. And I don't remember what he said and he didn't remember what he said. But we talked about it last year, 10 years later. God knit us together that day. I don't, I don't know why. But there's a sweetness to that day. Because he, he said something under the inspiration of the Spirit. He showed up and he spoke up and he served me where I was and there was a sweetness to his counsel. And I hope you have a memory like that where somebody showed up, somebody spoke up, maybe they did a little bit of shutting up and listening and they just served you with the sweetness of counsel that wasn't focused on being right, on being smarter, or wiser, or more spiritual, but was focused on what you needed at the time. The the end of this is basically that a friend always lets you in and never lets you down. That's the friend we aspire to be and we aspire to have. But we fail. Do you know who wasn't a very good friend? Peter. Remember that time Peter denied Jesus He should have spoke up, but he didn't. Remember when when Jesus was praying the night before his crucifixion and Peter and the others fell asleep? All Peter had to do was show up, and he failed. Remember when Jesus asked him a question, Peter got the right answer. And then just a little bit later, he said, no, 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 Jesus, you're not going to die. And Jesus looked at him and said, get behind me, Satan. It was a failure to shut up. Peter did all of those. He didn't show up on the night that Jesus needed him to. He didn't speak up when he had the opportunity to say that he was with Jesus. And he spoke up in the wrong way at the wrong time earlier. Peter failed in every way possible to be a good friend to Jesus. And yet Jesus says, greater love has no one than this that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Peter was restored over a campfire on the beach of the Sea of Galilee as they were cooking fish. And Jesus three times asked him, Peter, do you love me? And three times Peter said, yes, of course, why are you asking me? And it was only in hindsight that the realization was made that the man who wasn't a friend to Jesus and betrayed Jesus by denying him three times was restored by Jesus by proclaiming three times his love for him. Friends are important. And we have a picture now of what friendship looks like and what we should be striving for. But you will fail your friends. And they will fail you. And the other part of friendship that matters most is recognizing that every human relationship is fraught with frailty. Every human relationship is broken and has the great potential to just fall off an edge to even more brokenness. And it is only through friendship with Jesus that we can capture all that life was meant to be. That we can actually have a true friend that always lets us in when we need and will never let us down. Jesus is that friend to us. But it means, friendship with Jesus means acknowledging our place and his place. That a holy God created you to live in relationship with him, created you as a worshiper to worship something with your actions, with your heart, with all of you. And you have chosen the wrong thing to worship. And in your sin, in your your brokenness, you have followed after the wrong pursuits and you have failed. In thought and in deed, you've failed. And Jesus, the greatest friend any of us could ever know, is offering to each of us forgiveness because he's never failed and because he took our failure on himself at the cross. After living a perfect, di- perfect life, he died a heinous death and he died it for you so that all of your sin and shame could be wiped away and you could enter into his kingdom as his And if you receive him, you have accomplished the goal of this sermon. You have the greatest friend you could ever know. But now as you've received him, live. Live like the friend he has shown you. The application of this this sermon is really, really simple. Be a friend and make a friend. First, make friends with Jesus. He's offering. He's waiting. He's waiting for you to receive him. And once you're friends with Jesus, be a friend to someone else, love someone else, and love someone else in the way that Jesus in the book of Proverbs has shown us. I'm going to invite the the team to come and lead us. And as they lead us, we'll sing about all sorts of things, the holiness of God, the depths of his grace, the depths of his power. But as we sing, I'd encourage you to remember this great God that we have failed, we have sinned against, is reaching out with his loving arms, calling you his friend. And as we close the service today, he's not just calling you to himself. He's sending you out to love others as he has loved.